When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. And we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people. I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Gilali. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! 1-1. Well, things have turned up rosy for the pod this week. On uh, Tuesday, we get confirmation that we were going to speak to John Mahan on the podcast. On Wednesday morning, it's confirmed that he signed a new two-year contract with the football club. On Wednesday evening now, we're recording the podcast and we will talk to John Mahan. I'm going to say exclusively on the pod um, this evening. And uh, you'll probably be listening to it on Tuesday on Thursday or Friday. So it's uh, it's been a good week for uh, the Bitter Red Supporters Trust, Trust podcast. It's episode seven. Uh, we've made it seven weeks. Uh, we're brought to you by Milligram Coffee on Wine Street in Sligo. So yeah, as I mentioned, uh, the feature interview in today's show is a chat with John Mann. Um, we're going to talk about the win against Cork City in the showgrounds, the 2-1 win. Um, there's a little bit of speculation that's been bouncing around social media and Twitter and the internet over the last couple of days about um, Kyle Callan McFadden, who it seems may be leaving uh, the club. And um, we will kick things off, I suppose, lads, by um, having a quick chat about what happened in the showgrounds against Cork City. It was a win, but uh, again, it's not going to fill you full of optimism, Dunner, is it? No, not necessarily. The performance wasn't exactly... Uh, beautiful to see. It was a, it was a tough enough watch to be honest with you. And we, we nearly, we kind of straight away from the off. We were, we were slagging a bit. We were just coming in dribs and drabs, and they, they had the opportunity to go ahead very early from the penalty spot, and only for Ed McGinty pulling off another penalty save. Uh, you know, I wouldn't like to think what would happen after we went one 0 down. Would, would our heads have dropped as we were saying previously on the pod? You know, that would have been a good thing for us because their heads would have been up. They would have been right up for it, especially in the predicament they're in. But thankfully, Ed makes a great save and look, we go on and get a, I suppose, a goal against the run of play more than anything else. It's a straight ball over the top onto Junior and he slots it home. It's a lovely finish. But apart from that, we offered nothing in the first half either. Yeah, uh, Magoo, it was, it was, like it was, a re- it was a really hard watch, wasn't it? Oh, it, was, it was really hard. Like a win is a win, I suppose, but and um, uh, we we made awful hard work for us, right? Awful hard work. And I thought, like, for the first, first, I know it's only a couple of minutes, first five, maybe five minutes, I thought, this looks, they, we, we look better balanced. Obviously, Banks and Donlan, you're going to look better balanced. But Junior out on the left as well, I think he's much happier out on the left. And it gives Donlan, or it gives Coughlin more, I think Coughlin's happier as well when he knows Junior's going to make them runs in. Junior likes to, from out to in. Every time. That's where the goal came from, is run from out to in. And that's Coughlin dropping deep. And I was thinking, this is going to work better. But it's, we just, but there's still something that you can't pinpoint missing that we just can't see. Like Cork are, they're no good. Like Cork aren't any good. And, and yes, we couldn't, like we didn't create anything. Yeah. There, I, don't, I don't remember their keeper making a, so, a save of no at all. Yeah. And yes, they, they could have had a couple of goals. We had a couple. Fairness. We had a couple of pass back attempts in the in the first half, and it literally was just it was catching practice for the keeper. There was yes. nothing, nothing to get excited about or, or anything. But I definitely yeah. think you know, you're spot on there with with, uh, with regards to Coughlin and Junior. He de- Coughlin seems to thrive off Junior making those runs and even just finding those yeah. space for him to fall into that. not happy if he. I don't think if he knows he has to be the furthest man up the pitch. I think if he if he knows he's going to have a runner in behind it, he's happy then to drop deep and link the play, and knowing that he is the man, he doesn't have to be up there at the last man because you know a junior is much more comfortable on the left than he is on the right anyway, or up top. From what I've seen in the games anyway, he's he's far happier out there. He haven't said haven't said all that. You know we did we weren't creating a whole pile either, but 
No, I, th- I think a lot has to be taken into account as well with the with the Cork City right back. He was absolutely atrocious. The lad didn't know where he should be standing on a football. <laughs> he was lost at sea, really. Yeah, but the, the Cork played three at the back, didn't he, and five across the middle, which, um, like, I, I don't know if that made, if that kind of compacted things for us from trying to, from a creative point of view. But I think... Well, we're we're, be- well I'm a yeah. We're being overrunning midfield every week, anyway. Well, listen That's- to this. Absolutely overrun in midfield. If we only have two in there, we play Jesse. Jesse's plays samely. I say on the on the team sheet or the way you engage it is if you have Junior to freeze in Coughlin, then Jesse is obviously playing right midfield. But yeah. sure, he's yeah. never there. Like he's not. He's not. He's not a right midfielder. Like and we'll be the two boys in the centre. Whoever it is more in Cauley would stay more. Whoever it is, we're we're constantly being overrunning there. Like yeah, and that's I mean, why we're not. That's why we're not creating anything up the other end of the pitch either. But if you if you look There's at the game against Cork, if you look at the game against Cork, the likes of Seymour, who should be a physical presence, getting bullied off the ball by the likes of Morrissey, um, like that was you're right, Magoo, that was a major issue, and like when we did have possession of the ball, and when when our midfielders did have time in the ball, the final ball into the forwards are are you know that that final ball in the, in the final yeah. third just it was just all over the place. I was like. Like it was, it was a tough one. It, so it was so frustrating that game against Cork. I felt like, and yeah. there was no intensity to the intensity. To the, like, luckily for us, I think Cork weren't that leader because no. they didn't put us under. They didn't play great. They didn't put us any, under any pressure. But if 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 they did, I think we would have been in serious trouble. It was like a training match. You know, yeah. they, they gave us a huge amount of opportunities as well to actually punish them. You know, we it's, we got ourselves into a couple of great positions, and like that delivery was just. It wasn't there at all. Like Devers had four or five chances in the first half to get the ball across. I think he sent two into into the Nazareth house. I don't even know how he managed it. Yeah, Donlan uh, as well. Donlan's um, Donlan a couple of free kicks, corners ballooned, no good. Yeah, and then I have to go back short corners as well. When is this going to stop? It has to stop. Madness. Um, go on, John. I will go with it. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, we have no, I don't, like, it's a common team all season, but, uh, as you say, with the final ball as well, so we have no, we, we have no wits, we never have any wits in the team, like, I know Jesse's in the team, top for the wit, but he doesn't get in behind enough, like, we have no, if you're going to, in my view, if you're going to have the three boys up front, I know DeVries now, the last they came off, and he wasn't at it, really, but, if your what? premise is, they're your, they're your three main men, and you have them up front, all of them want to play on the inside, they all want DeVries, Junior, if they're out in the wings, they all want to play this. How are we not? Do we not have the fullbacks raiding up and down? How was Cooper not getting to go up and down that left wing, whipping balls in, getting round the back? Like I hear the whole time about how much we miss Romeo this season, but I think as big a miss is Tordek. I know I said it to you already, but mm. like, like you were saying there, Sean, a lot of the times Tordek he would put a lot of his stuff who might end up in Tracy Avenue. But the one thing he always wanted to do was he wanted to get to the byline every time and put the ball in the box. He wanted to start to work. What do defenders not want to be doing, Sean? Facing their own goal. Absolutely. And every, every time he got the ball, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to go by the fullback, get to the end line and put... We never... When have you ever seen balls flashing across the box this season? Yeah. No, there's, there's none you can say, oh, man... Remember them? It was flash across the box. We were just that close to it. We should have scored that one. We should, there's nothing. It's never, yeah. but uh, never. Uh, Jesse had that those couple of games. When he came back when he when he he, he did he, he was hit a bit of a purple patch and he he was kind of putting in decent crosses and things like that. But it's completely fallen off a cliff again. But with Devries and yeah. Devries kind of played number ten role. I don't think he's a number ten at all. I don't think he can play him in there. But he was he's also probably probably injured as well. I'd say, but by the fact that he went off at half time. He was definitely carrying a knock. That that was clear as day. You could, he was he even looked laboured on the pitch. He just did not look comfortable from the first second. You know, anytime he received the ball, he looked he nearly looked in pain turning on it. Like, I, I think it was a bit of a risk by Buckley playing him, to be honest with you. And I understand get your best players out in the pitch, but sometimes you do have to make a conscious decision in in regards to the players' well being as well. Uh, I just want to say as well, when it's on my mind, um, you can contact the podcast, uh, podcast at borst.ie by email. That's podcast at borst.ie. Um, you can let us know what you want to hear or if you've got any ideas for us or any suggestions on um, on the direction of the podcast, let us know. We're all ears and we're getting emails all the time. So thanks to those who have been in touch with us. Um, go back to the court game, lads, before we finish up. The uh, The... 
goal by Junior was uh, a, dr- a direct, well, it was McGinty's kick out, really, wasn't it? Um, but I, I think we're trying to play, maybe at times we're getting caught up trying to play a little bit too much football, and maybe it's just not there for us. And when you look, you, you look at the goal that, that Junior got, it was a direct ball. I know we don't want to be seeing balls over the top, but I know it, it goes against um, Liam Buckley's philosophy on the game. But maybe we could go a little bit more direct from well, time. Yeah, it's not like there's a difference between a long ball and a long pass. Like a hoof down the pitch is is a hoof down the pitch. But if you're like if you're picking a man out who's making a run from out to in, like that's a good ball. You know what I mean? There's nothing to say that a good ball has to be played along the ground over twenty yards. Like if it's if you get a man in around the back with a ball over the top, great ball, ping it every time, get him in. And that's what Junior wants. Junior tries off that kind of stuff. I don't understand why we're not doing it more. Well, there you go. I don't. Ticky tacky around the whole time, but no incisiveness and no, no killer ball. It's just pass side, pass move. If, nobody if, around the back, nobody over the top. And I take oh, it back, Magoo. I take it back to you there as well. And it's you're making a great point there in regards to the way we're playing with ticky tacky and no killer pass. It's just something you mentioned earlier there, is with regards to the formation. Would it be maybe would we be more suited to maybe bringing it to a three in midfield with a more creative midfielder in there, like a Gary Buckley or something, where you could have two boys around him doing the hard work and then get letting him play that killer ball through and play maybe your, instead of having the two, uh, where you had a three up top or two would be very wide, maybe tuck them in a bit tighter as inside forwards maybe. And then just create number 10. 100%. I think if you have the three boys... That and they all want to play coming on the inside. None of them wants to be standing out getting chalk on the boots. Like none of them are happy doing that. They all want to be coming in. Like you have to get in your fullbacks up, in my view, anyway. Get your fullbacks up. I use your fullbacks. Yeah, play the three boys. Never mind about another extra man in there going right. Just play the three boys. Let your fullbacks be the width, and then have the extra man in midfield. So you might have more than or Cawley sitting there, and as you said, maybe Buckley ahead of them arriving late into the box. I don't know, like. He mightn't have the legs for it, but he's great. Like he saw it the weekend again. I thought in the first half he was very good. Even centre half, like the reading of the game, he was stepping out a couple of times ahead of fellas, reading the play the whole time. Like it, he, he's great game intelligence. He's great football brain on him. Like he, he'd play there no problem. I think he get- no, at number ten or arriving late into the box. It'd be no bother to him. I wouldn't say. I think as well, like you know. It's- just going back to him as he played at centre half, like it has, he has to be given a huge amount of credit again because, like the way he was taking the ball out from the from the back line there and everything, and actually making crucial interceptions as well. Yeah, but, stepping but, out, going along, but we, we, making those interceptions, but then laying off a ball nice and easy so midfielders could get it on the turn and you know just real intelligent play. Like you'd expect it from a, a seasoned centre half, not a lad who's played there. Only this season for the first time, but I think it's the first time he's ever done it. I've never seen him with Cork anyway. No, so are you, you saying t- you can tell on him he's a great football brain though? Yeah, you can see it on him. Would you keep him from next for next season, uh, Sean? Yeah. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I'd be keeping Gary Buckley at the club, even with his possible injury record. Well, like I mean, he's he's been in and out all season so far. Um, we can't afford to have a lot of that. No, no, we can't. But I think when he's been on the pitch, he's been worth his weight in gold at times. To be honest with you. I think whereas other lads that have been more injury prone haven't even kicked the ball for us really since since the restart. Yeah. You know, it's not like he's not earning his wage. He definitely is. He only, like it, when he since he's gone in at centre half, I can only count one bad game that he's had, and I would have said that's the Shams game. But even at that, I give him a free pass because he's playing against top quality opposition. It's, it's going to be hard for you if you haven't played that position before. Best team in the country, Sean. Nice. <laughs> doesn't count doesn't count nobody cares um, hey Magoo do you know what a Zephyr is? Well, um, as I said the only time you've ever heard of a Zephyr is on a Chili Peppers song apart from that I have no clue what it is <laughs> who was Stephen Alkin talking to the commentator the other night for the Cork City game 37 minutes gone in the game and he says the locals call a breeze a Zephyr that's news to me it's definitely news to me as well uh, I tell you, those those commentators are definitely taking a smoke or something before they come in <laughs> and watch a game, a League of Ireland yeah, game. Yeah, having a clue. Even in, even with regards to players like you know mixing Junior and Regan Donnan up is <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a lottery of it's a lottery when it comes to calling the players. Uh, right, we move on to the second half and um, the what about the Dylan uh, McGlade goal? Uh, free kick 
edge of the box. Uh, it's it's hard, I suppose from looking at the stream, it's hard to really say what was going on there. But your man Kit Elliott, the, the free kick kind of bounced in on the ground. I think Kit Elliott was standing between McGlade and McGinty because you can see him just lift his legs slightly when the ball comes to him. And I think it might have just put McGinty off a wee bit. Someone steps across McGinty's eye line. He steps, someone runs across his path. And I think, well, someone, one of our defenders has to be getting a touch on it for starters anyway. It can't come through that many bodies. But someone, someone does step across McGinty and he loses it in that. But it is, it's really bad defending from us. You can't give, that goal is an absolutely atrocious goal to give away. Um, Donner, what do you think of um, Dylan McGlade? First division player. Really? Yeah. Oh, he's not a Premier League player. He's proven that this season. He's not up to it. He's a very good first division footballer. He's nice and tidy on the, on the ball. And he actually, he tore us apart with Longford there two seasons ago in the Cup. Yeah. It's but, a uh, but no, nice little footballer. But no, definitely, I wouldn't have any interest in him playing in the showgrounds. All right, okay. Magoo, what do you think? No, he's not. Same as Sean. He is. He has. He, has, he does have his moments, right? But he's far too inconsistent as well. He's too, um, he's too. He's all. He's all. What did I say? He's all. All flash, no trousers. No trousers is, yeah, yeah. All trousers, all flash. Yeah, whatever. Whatever to say. He's definitely not like he get. He might get the ball and he do a couple of step overs and a couple of twirls and parrels. But sure, you mightn't see him again for another eighty minutes. No good, like. And Magoo, what about uh, the penalty? Seventy-four minutes. Was it soft? Oh, our pen. Yeah. What was it for? Handball? No, well, no, uh, that was your penalty. It was a Banks who hooked the ball into um, high ball in. Maybe it was. I think it was Banks, and the keeper punched it out, and he was trying to scrap. He was scrambling then, and um, Junior ran across the keeper, I think, and kind of, kind of brought him down. Don't he, he drives back on his uh, right hand shoulder and takes him down. Junior makes the most of it. It's a stall more penalty. <laughs> 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 Uh, in, our, in, in our box or in the opposition <laughs> box yeah, yeah but we're attacking front, it's a stone front, wall in front of the shed end in front of the, the shed penalty, yeah it's actually um, the finish by Coughlin from the penalty is actually very good it's a lovely penalty yeah but yeah. you have to give the, you have to give the Coughlin um, if he if he's getting a penalty you're, you're confident he's you're not worried about him I don't no, know not, no he's, he's he's an excellent penalty taker in fairness to him and it's his run-up is, I know it's that Jorginho-style kind of skipping a hop up to it, but... I hate it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fair. It's, imagine I don't, doing that, that would if we had a semi-final the cup and the place packed and this fella hopping and skipping up to a ball. Oh, Jesus Christ. My nerves would be gone. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, as long as he scores, it's fine, but if he's doing that and he misses, he's never hearing the end of it, like, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but his, his record has been very good with it. Like, I think he's, in fairness to him, he's perfected that... And he, he's all the keepers. He seems to throw them. They don't even seem to dive. They kind of just get lost in it. But yeah, you see, if you watch him, it. I saw a, a still of it afterwards, and you can see while he's in midair, just about the is the must be the last still shot before he comes down to strike it. You can see him looking at the keeper. The old Mendieta style. Remember Mendieta used to do it without the hop skipping the jump. But he'd keep looking at the keeper to see which way he was, whichever way his weight was going to go. He was going to put the ball the other way. Yeah. Was, serious, serious balls to do it, like in fairness. Yeah, and it's, it, t- it takes a serious amount of skill to do it as well. Like you know, you oh, have hundred percent. Yeah, I know yeah. if I played it, I'd send it into the Nazareth anyway. Well, speaking I of, pen- I wouldn't get it as far as the Nazareth. <laughs> speaking of penalties, um, I would say our keeper was the man of the match in that game. Oh, definitely, hundred yeah. percent. Who did get the man of the match? I don't know. It was uh, who? Junior. Junior. Yeah, I mean, for me. Uh, I was it all day long. So he saved the penalty and he had the assists for the goal. Yeah, and he made that. And he made the save at the end of the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. Now that's and that's also that's not doesn't look favourably on us as well in regards to the game when you're at home to the bottom bottom table, bottom of the table team and your goalkeeper is man of the match. It's, it's not a it's not a great look for us. Well, I said it. Yeah. I said in the pod last week. I knew Cork were going to score. And I think we were blessed that they they didn't put the kind of pressure on us that they put on Waterford down in Turner's Cross because you know if they did that to if they did to us what they did to Waterford I think and if they played the intensity that they did against Waterford I think we would have been sunk the other night so for whatever reason they, we didn't show up they didn't show up and um, I think we're very lucky for it but um, Connor 
you're just saying there with the intensity that they played down in Turner's Cross. I think they actually came and they were nearly too intense. They were firing themselves into tackles in the first half. And actually, a few of them got booked needlessly into, mm. into nothing tackles. And I think it actually killed them in the second half because they were, they were kind of treading on eggshells then, you know. Is this the, the Rovers game you're talking about at Turner's Cross? No, 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 no. For us there at the weekend, you know, you're saying the intensity that they brought down in, in Turner's Cross against Waterford. Yes, I think they brought the. I think they were nearly too intense against us then at the weekend, where I think they were, you know, they were flying into tackles and stuff and getting needlessly booked in the first yeah. half. Yeah. I say the I say the Rallers team too as well though. An am, a young young amateur team like a lot of games, a lot of big games, a lot of adrenaline, a lot of travelling. Yeah, so just for the legs. Like luckily for us. Um, what's the court man- the court manager's name? Um, Neely. Healy. Healy. I've never heard him speak before until after the game. I couldn't, I just, I was so surprised. You know, when you, you see somebody, I've never heard him speak before, and uh, he just didn't sound like what I expected to hear. <laughs> I was just like, what? <laughs> Who's this fella? <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's, oh, we're, I, actually, we're talking about McGinty now, just a quick word. Um, has he signed his new contract? I thought he was on a two year deal from last year. Who oh, is he? Yeah. I, and I could be wrong on that now, but I'm nearly sure he signed his two-year deal last year. Um, because, like I say now, he's getting a lot of attention this year with, with call-ups and man-in-the-match displays and stuff. And there's a lot of... I think there's a lot of old keepers around the division, isn't there? So, there is. And I think one, if he wasn't signed up, I'd be, that's why I'd be getting a bit... You'd get away a bit worried. Like. And I look at McGinty there, and genuinely, game by game, he improves. His everything about his the fundamentals he has down to it, an absolute T. Like his his catching shot stopping is absolutely fantastic. He, like there's a couple of things he came out and claimed there against Cork, and I don't even know how he done it to be honest. There's one of them in particular where he comes across and it's nearly a at an impossible angle for him to catch it, and he takes it in two hands, and he's yeah. just any anything that comes into the box now I have absolutely no fear. Yeah. That has that that's improved a, a big time on him the last the last even six months. It was always the I always thought the weakest part of his was his coming claiming for crosses and and knowing the right time to come. Yeah, not just there's times when you don't need to come like and he especially last year he was coming for stuff he probably shouldn't have come for. But he's only young, obviously he's only young for that. Like that's a massive improvement in his game. And then you look even. Uh, pretty- for the assist then for Junior as well, like his kicking has improved greatly as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's his kickouts have improved something serious. He's he, he was ballooning balls at the start, but he's got he's got a nice kind of technique on the go now, and he's he's beginning to pinpoint players. I'm just reading an article here um, on extratime.ie from um, from August 2019 that says Sligo Rovers have confirmed that goalkeeper Ed McGinty has signed a new deal with the club that will keep him there until the end of the 2020 season, now, unless he signed a contract um, between 2019. Uh-huh. And now, but that sounds like he's that sounds like the contract he's on. Yeah, yeah so you'd, you'd be you'd be worried that people will come sniffing, like absolutely, absolutely. You'd like to think the club would be, you know, they'd be proactive enough, and they're you know, with tying Morhan and John down as well, that they'd evade pretty much. Well, I'd imagine, I'd imagine they were, they were definitely, a definitely, there's probably a definitely an offer on the table. I would imagine if they've done it for Nile and done it for for John, I'd say there's definitely like John, John says that it. There since the start of the season for him, like so. It's, I that's why you'd be, you'd be worried about it. Yeah, that it hasn't been announced. Yeah, why? Yeah, why? Why is he not signed yet? When you think about, um, um, I think we we talked to um, we talked to John later on in the interview about, um, I suppose the the quality of players that are coming out of the the club's academy, but ultimately you want to have those lads in, in the the starting eleven, and when you have the likes of Morahan, when you have the likes of John Mahan. Uh, you want to, you know, and if you can get somebody like McGinty as number one, and he looks like he's one of the best keepers in the league, you, like you, you need to get him signed up, like you know. Well, yeah. you, look, you look through the whole hard work of the whole the whole idea of the academy is getting them through into the first team, and the hard work you do to get them through, don't be letting them go for but, for nothing. But, I'm not saying that's happening, but I'm just saying it's. But also, you, you the, know, but also having players in the the starting eleven who understand what the club are about. Who are for you know for all intents and purposes they're supporters of the club. I know McGinty's come over from Scotland and all that, but for for all intents and purposes these guys know what know yeah. what the club means to the supporters. You want those guys in your first eleven. You know to have to have the spinier team uh, coming up through your youth system at any level in football is is a rarity. 
you know, to have your goalkeeper, your central defender, your central midfielder to, you know, to come up through your youth system is absolutely, it's amazing for the club if we can, if we can bring that forward and have them in the team for a number of years to come, you know? Yeah. And also, it's, it's also for, for a club like us, it's so community based and, and the connection with its fans, like it, it just, it, it makes the bond even more if you have, if you have a spinier team that's, as you say, not, Ed, not 100% local, but you'd, you'd count them as a local having yeah. come through the academy yeah, but, and stuff. But you think about the importance that the importance of having that local player, like when you think about the successful team that we had, who do we have locally, like in the last the last successful team that we had? O'Grady, who else uh, locally? We're few and far between, like weren't they really? Raf. Raf, yeah, obviously. Um, but like it's so important. And even, you know, when the chips are down, like and if you've got lads in from England or they could be got you know, from, from any part of the, the world in and the chips are down and you want you want local lads in the in the dressing room. We're going to tell them what's what and what what it means to be playing for the club. Listen, have we have we done everything we 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 wanted to or said everything we want to say about the court game? I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. Touch on there. Um, okay, listen. We'll move on to um, our interview with John Mahan. Um, so, as I said earlier at the top of the podcast, um, a bit of a coup for the, the podcast because his new contract was only announced this morning. Uh, Wednesday morning, and uh, you'll probably be listening to this on Thursday. And um, so we were really delighted to have the opportunity to speak to him. And um, we started off by asking him how he felt about uh, coming back from injury and also signing the new contract. A sense of relief, yeah. Like, probably probably the worst kind of start to the season for me now. And just to kind of get the contract done, it's probably ending the season on a high. Like, so them two years now, like hopefully next season, just turn over a new leaf and kind of concentrate my football again, yeah, so definitely, definitely a bit of relief there for me. Um, and did you, um, was the contract, the contract's been in the pipeline for a while now or has it just happened over the last week or so? It was actually there before I broke my leg, so I don't know, I broke my leg on 1st of February, so I think January in the pre-season they were kind of talking about the contract, so it's been in talks for a while, like, and then with the leg break, I think you kind of put it back. So they're they're just kind of see where I was going to come back from that. Like, and I kind of came back strong. So there's the last few weeks. Then they were talking again. Like, and my agent kind of sorted it. Then so I signed it there last week. Uh, there's there's not many people who um, wanted a significant break in football or a pandemic to come along yeah. to put uh, to to hold things. But you you were obviously there was there was some positive in that view, wasn't there? Yeah, definitely. I remember the first game I came back with all the fans and the crowd was sitting up there before the COVID, like, and I was just kind of watching the boys and everything. I was a bit annoyed, like, then with the COVID, kind of the games were stopped for a while, like, so I was probably the only one happy that kind of came around. And then after that, I was kind of back in training with the boys then, so I was more near, like, and yeah. I, the mental was more better for me then, so. Yeah. John, with regards to when the injury happened first there, like it happens in a pre-season friendly, how much frustration was there for you in that to get there's such a horrific injury to happen in a pre-season friendly? You must have had a lot of bad anger towards the, the lad that done it, or was it just one of those things that happened? Uh, yeah, I was actually going up. It was funny enough, I was going up in the car. I was going to lift them um, from Kyle McFadden. So I was going up in the car at the moment before um, she dropped me off. Regan Donald did his um, shoulder, I think it was against Ballon I was just saying he was awfully unlucky um, with injuries and touch wood I've never kind of done a, a bad injury like so then I know Ronan Murray did his ankle there up in that loan last season so going in there like I was just when it happened I was just kind of like let's say mid-season towards end season you kind of get your head around it and you can work on the off-season but to be right in the, the start of the season yeah, I was very annoyed like yeah. What actually happened? Uh, there was kind of a 50-50 ball. I have a video on my phone I can show you after. A 50-50 ball kind of come in. I think he kind of took a heavy touch. Like, and they're the tackles I love. I kind of wear the split second so then I can get a bit of the man and the ball at the same time. But <laughs> I think this time he got more for me. Like, and then I think his studs just connected with my shin when I went to kick the ball. Like, and I knew straight away I was kind of getting pain throughout my whole leg, into my hip and everything. I never felt any pain like that. So I knew straight away I'd done something bad. Was there ever any doubts in your mind during your rehabilitation about if you get back as strong as you were before? Or, uh, not really. No, I kind of 
I always said if I was going to do long term injury, I'd rather be a break or something because it does it does come back stronger, like it comes back. But then if I if I was going to do a knee injury and anything like that, like I'd be a bit more worried. But no really doubts. Like yeah. mum gave me a few books to read on the mental side, all of that. So I, I think I've actually came back a bit stronger from on the mental side from the leg work. So. Uh, your, your mother is a nurse, and uh, you said in the press release that the club put out that um, she had you up in the hospital at all hours um, one morning. What happened there? It was actually the night of the Tyson Fury fight. I was staying up for that, and I kind of, I was getting like a pain in my leg, um, like in this, like a, I knew kind of I could pinpoint where it was, like, and normally when that happens, it's either like it's either a clot or it's nothing. So mum just said, um, just for bring me in just in case like so I went into the hospital and I think my the, something there's something different in my blood like so it was a sign of a clot so Mr. Neely's actually one of the rover spoilers he comes into the games instead of cutting off the cast he just put me on blood thinners for a while so I was on them for a couple of weeks and the pain and everything went away then so so that could have been quite a serious uh, problem for you if um, if you hadn't gone in yeah definitely like the blood clots are serious like a cup in your lungs or anything like that so Mum just didn't want to take any risks. Like, but even when I went in, he was on about cutting the cast, and I didn't really want that to happen because it, it set me back back to the very start. So, in fairness to Mister Nee, he just put me on the blood thinners for a few weeks just in case, and yeah, no pain after that. John, with the injury arriving during lockdown as well, how did that figure for you with sitting? You know, you were basically you were tied to a chair nearly, yes, yeah. without being able to move around too much. Uh, mentally, how did that affect you? Or was were you able to get into a better uh, state of mind or did it affect you much? Yeah, at the start, it was it was very hard. Like, mum and dad and the two brothers, they were working away as well. So I was sat in the house by myself. Like, I have a young dog as well. Like, so he was keeping the big company. But yeah, just sitting around. But even your friends, like, they're kind of not going out and out and enjoying themselves. And you're kind of sitting inside. Like, but at the start, like, but towards the end, like, I kind of wrapped my head around it. I was reading a few of the books as well. Like, so, yeah. It didn't really let it affect me too much. And I suppose um, you couldn't go out anyway because of lockdown, which is uh, yeah, maybe one yeah. benefit left, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I suppose uh, we spoke about it, um, I think it was on the last pod. So your first game back, your first touch of the ball, yeah. it's, a bit, it's a little bit heavy. Yeah, uh, but Donner said, uh, Sean said that like it was probably the best thing that could have happened because immediately... You put in like an incredibly yeah. accurate, efficient tackle, and did that just get you back in the zone? Yeah, definitely. I took, I think I took a heavy touch, and I tried to play out to Jesse then, and the man intercepted. And I was running back towards the goal, and I was thinking, I'm the last one back here. If I don't get it right, I don't think I'll play till next season again. So I just kind of didn't really think about it at all. Like slid in and won the ball, like, and I think that was kind of me set for the game. Then like. I always they all they always go on about like when you're coming back from injury, your first tackle, how are you going to get through it? So once I got through that, it was fine, yeah. And um, were you ready to come back sooner than the Shells game? Or um, because I think we were all a bit surprised to see you. I, I think maybe we just thought you were going to come off the bench at some stage. Yeah. Uh, you know, or maybe this game or the court game or whatever it might be. But we might have been. We were a bit surprised to see you starting the Shells game. Were you ready to come back before that? There's a few games, yeah, I would have probably came off the bench in a few earlier games and kind of slowly came into it, like, but obviously didn't, that didn't happen. Like, and when the weeks come on, you get that little bit stronger every day. So I think the Shells game was perfect for me to kind of come back. Like I was flying and training in the past few weeks. So, yeah, it was, that was probably the perfect timing for me. How did the heavy pitch suit you up in Talca Park? You, you could, well, Going from the footage on the stream, anyway, the pitch looked to be in awful condition. How did you? Yeah, find it was very bad. The, the first half was wasn't too bad. That was that was hard enough in that. But then the second half, it was just very kind of soft, and you kind of have to second guess your touches and all that. And you can see my last three passes. I like could blame the pitch for that, but no, it was it was it was difficult enough to play on that. And did you find it tough yourself? Like, you know, did you find it very very heavy your first your first ninety minutes back? How did the body hold up in, in general? Yeah, the, the day after the game, I didn't feel too bad. But then the second day, kind of, my calves kind of tightened up and all that. But, like, we have Kevin Finn in there in fairness. I'm like, he does rubs after the games and stuff like that. So once you're kind of looking after your diet and everything like that, I, I was fine after the game. Yeah, 
John. Uh, before, before, sorry, Shane, go ahead. No, no, just on uh, at the contract. The last time you signed the contract, two two years ago, was it? Yeah, two, 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 two and a half years ago. There was there was great rumors around about uh, Celtic and Rangers uh, overlooking at you. Was yeah. there any truth in them? Um, I think I have an agent there. Um, do I actually left them recently? But I don't know if. He was speaking to them then, and then someone got a word, and I think they kind of leaked online. But he was talking to them. I think they did come over a few of my games, but I don't think it was as serious, kind of, as I said, like them agents kind of just put out them kind of rumours to kind of get more clubs interested. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not too sure kind of what was going on there. But Do you be conscious of them if, if there's a, a scowl at the game looking at you? Does it, I know you wouldn't want it to affect you, but does it play on your mind? Or even, I, I don't know if you but, put it... If you put in a tackle or you you ping a sixty yard ball out to the left wing, that's a big yeah. not up to the stand, your man. Yeah. When I was younger, like no, when I was younger, like under fifteens, like let's say the Irish scouts were at the game watching the games, I'd be kind of a bit more worried of them then. But now, like playing first team football, there's fans and everything. There's so much more pressure that which you have to just literally concentrate in the game. Like so, I don't really pass any heat. Like, and I think if you pass yeah. heat of them, like you're gonna be kind of more tense, like, and trying to do things you're not able to do, like, so I think it affects your games there in that way. John, Definitely. you're coming from, you've obviously come up through the youth system here and you played uh, yeah. underage football with Palace and Aaron. I write and say, was the team you came through with Rovers, that obviously had nine more in it as well, but was that Jack Keeney and a few others as well came through that same side? Yeah, um, Ed McGinty, Jack Keeney came, came through that side. Um, I actually... Made my debut um, in a friendly in Westport, and Kyle, Kyle McFadden actually made his debut at the same that time as me. So, All right. yeah, so that was that was, team. Like, so that's actually a very successful, uh, successful underage team for Rovers in terms of the players that have come out that are now playing League of Ireland football. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I was with the 17s with uh, with Niall Harrison and all them, so that was just top coach like and then I graduated into the under 19s with uh, Dinky so I was in there with likes of Jack Keeney Ed McGinty I think Niall Moran was still under 17 at that time but he'd come up for a few under 19 games as well so yeah great team like and it was kind of to have Jack and Ed there like to kind of progress into the first team with them together like it was kind of a bit you wouldn't you wouldn't be as nervous like you'd be in the change room chatting to them like so I made that a little bit easier like yeah, it must make the transition an awful lot easier that way. I suppose you're coming up and still have all the same mindset and all that yeah. together. You would last your same age as well, going into a first-team dressing room that might be a wee bit daunting, but when you have a couple of mates with you, it must make it that much easier. Yeah, exactly. And Jack and Ed, like, the top, top lads. Like, so have them there. And, like, Brian Doring, like, the under-19 manager, he'd be in with the, the first-team most days. To, like, So he'd just give you a little bit of advice on the sides. Like, but, like... The team I went into, like the lads were fine, so yeah, it was good. And that's that was obviously a bit of a was Liam was Liam in that uh, in your setup as well. Yeah, Liam would have been the same as um, Niall. He'd be under 17s and he'd be coming up to the under 19s for a few games as well. So, so that was a bit of a golden generation. So was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And yeah. do we see any? Do you see any signs down there now of another batch coming through? Maybe. Yeah, actually, young Johnny Kenny, you know, his dad played with the Rovers as well. He'd be in training with us sometimes, like a very good player. Caelan Barrow as well, like, so I think there'll always be one or two lads kind of progressing from the under-19 into the first team, like, and I think them young lads, I think you need to kind of tie them down, like, maybe give them a contract, even if it's a small bit of money, but, like, to have them in there, like, for, let's say, two years, maybe they mightn't play a game, but just kind of have it around it. A senior setup like traveling to the games, if that's to sit in the sand, like that's what I did in my first year. I don't think I played a single game, like I traveled beyond the bench, but just kind of be in around the lads and know how much it kind of means to the sporters and managers' uh, jobs on the line and all that. Like it's to just have them in around there would be a big help for them. Like. And how do you find that, John, as a young lad, being from the town and that with you know the way it's like Rovers fans are, they're lunatics. Yeah. <laughs> So how do you find the do you find much pressure coming from people from the town with you being a local lad? Do you, uh, feel, do you put a bit of extra pressure on your shoulders? A little bit of pressure, yeah, but in fairness to the Rovers lads, I think they always kind of look out for the local lads and don't be as hard as them as compared to the rest of the players. But uh, I don't find that much pressure, no, because I, I know my abilities, I know I can play well, so I just need to kind of just do what I'm doing and, yeah, I'll be fine. Like. Uh, we got... Um... 
on the Bit of Red Supporters Trust Twitter page, um, today we asked people to send in some questions that they might have for you, John. So I'm going to yeah. pitch a few of them at you. Uh, Jamie Murphy asked, um, do players feel pressure playing without supporters during COVID? Um, I think it's kind of it's more like kind of a training game, like you, you know that as Sean said, the Rovers supporters a few lunatics, so it's it's a bit easier playing in front of no fans. Like if you, I, I don't mind at all, but let's say the, the lads, let's say sometimes the fans get them or whatever. Like I think it's a bit easier then, but like it, it is kind of not the same atmosphere. Like the semi final on dock, you go back to that game, like that's the sport has brought us through that game. I think. So to have not 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 to have them there, like it's is kind of like a training game to be honest. And do you think it has an impact on what happens on the pitch during the ninety minutes? Uh, sometimes, let's say, like sometimes you go into the last eighty minutes if you're a goal up or a goal down, the fans do kind of push you on to get that winner or to kind of keep the the one nil up. So yeah, it it does. Yeah. Um, Rory Breslin asks. Um, what was your favourite moment in a Rovers shirt? Uh, probably the semi-final. I'll go back to the semi-final of the knock, you know. We lost the game, but just to be running out. Like, I'd be a fan in them times back where the Rovers, the, the showgrounds would be packed, so to be kind of running out there. I know I went out for the warm-up, like, and it was the biggest kind of cheer I've heard all season, and this was only the warm-up, like. To, so to just have that packed, like, it was a, it was an unbelievable feeling. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think I think um, as we approach the, um, the the latter the latter moments of the the latter stages of the FAI Cup, um, where we might be able to do something, um, yeah. it's it'll be, you know, that's I think that's where we're really going to lose out on having you know only yeah, the definitely. only the the, uh, the club officials and the subs at the stands. Like, I mean, that's 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 where Roberts come into their own for those big games and the fans of it would be a huge loss. Uh, finally, Oshin Morin asks, um, what improvements to training facilities uh, do you think would help the squad to move on to the next level? Um, I think a few lads were saying the likes of the knock set up there, like they've all the meals. Uh, there's a chef and does all their meals after training. They've their gym. I think they've GPS trackers and all that. Like so, it's just them little things. Like maybe I know we're training on the back pitch. Like maybe if that's kind of looked after a bit better. Like just them little things that are going to help you. Like I think if we can get them all together. Like or maybe a gym kind of set up for us in the ground where she can use should have after training or something like that. Like I think that'd be a big help for us. I remember um, it might have been Ian Barrowcliffe. He showed up here first, and he couldn't believe the quality of and the access to. I think they might have been the team might have been training in the IT at the time. Yeah, but um, he had said that you know that the the training pitches and the access to the gym of the IT. He said a lot of League One teams, some Championship teams, even in um, in England, wouldn't have that. What, what yeah. here. But I think it's interesting how things have moved on, particularly around technology, where you see. You know whether it's Dundalk or Shams lads, you see subs coming off and they've got the trackers and the heart monitors yeah. on them, like you know. And it's those, it's that, it's the kind of technology and clubs that can that have the ability to put a bit of outlay onto or spend a bit of money in that kind of area. That maybe the the regional clubs like ourselves might be just just can't kind of keep up with. But um, yeah, um, so two year contract, John. It, it's um, it's it's. It's a long time, I suppose, from, in a, from a League of Ireland point of view. Um, yeah. I suppose we're not entirely going. We're not entirely sure um, where what the what situation the club is going to be in, or who's, what players are going to be around uh, next season. But what are you looking for over the next two years from the club, or what, what are your hopes or your expectations? Um, I just think we need to push and to kind of be up in the top four, the, t- the top part of the table. I like, can constantly be up there, like. We have a good team around us, like, and even winning cups or back to the old days, like, winning cups and stuff like that. Like, we're well able to do it, like, and I just think we need to kind of get out of the mindset of just surviving relegations and stuff like that and just kind of to be comfortably up at the, the top part of the team competing against Shams and Alexis Dundalk and winning in games. So, did you know at the start of the season, did you know that the, the squad is capable of, of better than the initial results before lockdown? Oh yeah, definitely. Like you can see after lockdown, I think that kind of 
showed the true colours of what the team's about. Like so, I think before lockdown things just went falling our way, like and just picking up losses. But yeah, I think we just turned over a new leaf after lockdown and started winning games. So now, just one, just in regards to the future for yourself, you've been touted as a future Rovers captain. You'd like to achieve? Was that something you'd be interested in with the Rovers? Yeah, hundred percent. I think I got in the field. I I kind of. Now, I know I don't have the armband now, like, but I kind of like to see myself as a captain, like, as a leader, like I do. Kind of, I feel I lead by example, like, in my tackles, headers, or whatever, like, but if it's given to me, like, I'd, I'd take it 100%, like, to kind of ca- captain the team that you sport since you're younger, I think that'd be a massive honour, like. Okay, really good chat with um, John Mahan there. Great of him to give us his time um, on... Uh, and such a well, such a well-timed interview on our behalf. Wow, but um, yeah. really interesting, and it was great that um, it was it was great that he's uh, back playing football again. Um, Donner, potential future captain of the club. You're on for that, aren't you? Hundred percent. I think he's nailed on to be the captain of this club. I, I give him the armband now, so I would. I definitely go into a new season with him as your club captain. I think he's a. Uh, as I was saying last week on the pod, they're someone who leads by example on the pitch and, you know, isn't afraid to give a player around him a bollock and if needed be, like, in the right manner. I think, and even listening to him there, you know, speaking throughout the interview, for a young lad, you know, he speaks with such honesty and confidence. And it's it's refreshing to hear, really, so it is. And just, you know, sometimes you see a younger lad now and they're kind of shy and being a bit silly and stuff and it's nearly all cliched answers you know, it's nearly, they're like media robots to a degree. Yeah. But no, like the way he even spoke there, I think he, spe- he speaks like a captain. Yeah. You know, that honesty, and I think, you know, you see through his performances anyway, and even since he's returned, he's been top class. We spoke about it earlier in the pod, Magoo, the importance of having locals in the team, and John is just the, the personification of that, I suppose, isn't he? Yeah, total, total epitome of it. I, I'd agree with Sean. Um, I would definitely love to see him a captain, yeah. Do you think that he is he yeah. not is he not potentially too young? Oh, I'm not saying that I give it to him right now, but I, w- I would love to see him at some stage, Captain. Okay. I think he's perfect captain material, all right. Yeah, hundred percent. I can you can even tell by him that he's he's he is supreme. The way he was speaking, the questions we were asking him, he has supreme confidence in his own ability. Like that, he's he's as he said, he was reading the books, but you can tell it's he has great mental strength as well. Like so, he's, he has all the attributes to be a good captain, and you can't be the local captain either, can you? No. No, you know, no. when like it's, there's nothing better like when in the next year or two when we win the league at the cup again, that it'll be a local lad lifting it. Like, and um, do you think if he keeps going on, um, Sean, if he keeps going on the current trajectory, do you think that he'll be in the showgrounds or in League of Ireland football for long? No, no, um, I think sky's the limit for John if he sets his mind to it. I think. As I say, everything is there. All the all the bricks are in place, you know, to build a solid career for himself. I think he could, he could definitely make a, a serious living for himself across the water. I don't think there's any reason why he shouldn't. I think the only thing that it's stopping him is maybe another injury or something. You know, that's the last thing you want for the lad. And but he do, he doesn't look like he's that kind of injury prone player. I know, like a broken leg is, is oh, no, like he's not that. picking up those knee or does. I know he's only young, but you kind of feel that he could be okay injury wise. Yeah, and also the mentality he's shown since coming back from the injury that he's brushed it off as if it was nothing. You know, where other other lads had let that linger on in their head and constantly be going on about it. Like he was willing to show us a video of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't want to see it. It's it's a nothing thing to him, you know. And I, I think that's But you're actually that's interesting, isn't it? You're right. How many players would be afraid to go back and you know experience? I mean that you're right, lads, that's the sign of the mental strength that he has, he's going around with that horrible incident in his pocket. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's a sheer determination as well, just to, you know, to get on with things and just get back to where he needs to be, and that's playing football. And that's that's what I'm saying. There, he has everything in place to make it. If and I, I definitely think he'll end up across the water at a high level. Um, yeah, I mean, like we're, we're due. You kind of feel that because we're we're put, like over the last whatever it is amount of years, you look at the players that we've produced that are now. In other clubs around the league, it'd be great to get it'd be great to get a nice financial windfall from one of our own going. And like you look at the connection that we have with Shane Coleman. I know we didn't get a huge amount of money for him, but um, it would be great to see 
like, uh, you know, it'd be great to see one of our own really doing it at the top level again, like somebody from Sligo that we have a great connection with and we get 10 million from as well. With the sell-on clauses. With the sell-on clauses, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, listen, um, just uh, finally to say uh, thanks again to John for his time um, and hopefully we'll be speaking to him again uh, on the pod. Um, so we don't have a game to preview because of uh, COVID. Um, I suppose most people will know by now, but um, the entire Derry squad have been... Um, bluffing. Would it put... What's that, Magoo? They've been bluffing. I would say that they've gone into isolation for, um, for health and safety reasons um, because of a potential COVID case. But uh, I think... So they are going to miss... Well, our game, which was scheduled for this Sunday, um, is off. And, um, you know, what if that goes ahead? What are your thoughts on, on, on that game going ahead, lads? Or what, 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 Magoo, what do you think? Well, well, it definitely will go ahead anyway. There's no, like, I know there, there, there's a meeting going on today um, with the FAI and Shams officials and whoever else. I don't know, even know who's in it, but about whether Shams will have to play their game that was scheduled for tonight against Derry or whether it'll be getting the walkover. But apparently the FAI have said that the no more cancellations of games only applies to league and not to cup. So ours will be 100% being played, which we were, as we were just discussing might lead us to a problem with international call-ups. And if, if now we don't, we don't know if he will be, but if Ed is called up, the, the international window, I think, is from the 7th to the 21st. So it's a two-week two week international window. So <clears throat> you'd imagine the time of year, the way things are pushing on now, that the, the game will have to be played within that window at some stage for them to get the semi-finals and then the final, which is scheduled for when? The end of November? I think, is the, it? I think the final is scheduled for the end of November. But, Sean, do you think, do you think this could work in our advantage if... Um... <laughs> Maybe we're getting ahead of myself here, but if we've got a um, if the cup games then become bunched up together, and you have an opportunity to develop a bit of momentum from the quarter final all the way to lifting the cup in the final. <laughs> but but that we won't have you know we won't be going into let's say we were to beat Derry on Sunday then you'd have a you'd have a big gap until well a gap of a couple of weeks until um, we were potentially to play a semi final. Yeah, you'd also look at our squad though the way they drop off with injuries as well. You know, if the games come thick and fast, you mightn't even have anyone to play in the final. Uh, I'm telling you, Dunner, you're getting this call up yet. The contract's coming out. <laughs> um, no, he's trying to work is trying to he's trying to work an angle every week, didn't he, for another call up? <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a spell in the under twenty ones. It was never going to happen after that. <laughs> um, no, thick and fast actually might suit us. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's it works in our favour that if you have a couple of games coming together, uh, just build that bit of momentum. But with the way the FAI are dealing with things, I don't even see that being the being the case. They'll probably linger out and it'll drag on. And I'd say you could even be in December when this gets ended, which I don't know even how that suits us in regards to player contracts. Like, is it are they signed into games played or is it a length of time? You know, like what's the, what's the complications there? Because you've seen that at the even when in England, when they came to the restart, you know, players were out of, were technically out of contract before they kicked off again. So, well, I think usually it's it's the end of November, isn't it? Because usually the FAI Cup final is in November. Yeah, it's usually the fourth of November, isn't it? Yeah. So I think I think you're I think all that have that have well most clubs that have most players tied till the end of November on the off chance you to get to a cup final. Yeah. And. So, but like as you say, if it goes into December, I don't know what's going to happen. It could be a right mess. Yeah. No, that, well, that's you see, that's and that's on the FAI now. It's up to them to sort that out. Like I think we're all we're all in agreement here. I just think it has to be a walkover against Derry and just move on. You know, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, so okay, so I mean, the next time our next pod will be an opportunity to look at the final league game of the season against um, it's away to Dundalk on November eighth, um, and I suppose um, we're we're following the Finn Harps Pats game kind of live here as we're recording, and um, 
Uh, that game is currently two all, I think. So listen, my point is, we don't know what's going to happen um, the next time. Oh, Finn Hartford three two up. I know we shouldn't be talking about this as we're recording uh, as we're recording live, but I predicted uh, a few minutes ago that Hearts would score another goal, and they have. Um, so anyway, point is, we don't know where we could be the next time we speak to you going into that last game of the season. That fourth position could still be on. In fact, it still is on. So fingers crossed. Um, okay, so listen, the final piece um, that we're going to uh, talk to you about this evening in the pod, um, brought to you by Milligram Coffee and Wine Street in Sligo, is the news that broke that... Um, our club captain, Kyle Callan McFadden, um, is to leave the club at the end of the current season. Um, so, this, Unofficial news. It's, yeah, this it's, has not been confirmed by the player, nor has it been confirmed by the football club. But um, it has been reported fairly widely across the internet um, uh, today. It's in Donegal Daily in front of me here now. But it seems that he... So we know that Kyle um, played uh, was under contract at, at Norwich. Uh, I think maybe his uh, partner could be from the Norwich area. Um, yeah. So I think his family's gone back there and he's obviously gone back to follow them. Um, so um, he, he's going to be a huge loss, uh, Magoo, because when I think we've been lacking leaders um, in recent games or this season, and yeah. he, he definitely is a leader. Yeah, 100%. The first thing I say is he's an absolute gentleman as well. Absolute gentleman and great lad to have around the place. Apparently brilliant in the dressing room. I hope we always say that's no... But he not only is he bringing dressing room, but he, he puts his body on the line out in the pitch too. He always 110%, and as you say, a great leader. And I think he will be a big loss because, like we, we say, we don't have many of them lads around at the minute who are willing to put their body on the line for for the cause. Yeah, so I think it took him a while to settle, but I mean, in a way, he has proven himself a versatile player. Um, he's gone in centre half. He's played at the base of midfield. Um, he he'd be a significant loss, would he? Oh, definitely, yeah. Like he when he came in first under Dave Robertson was a, he started off very well. So he did, he came in and he was he was excellent there. But he had a couple of patchy spells then, but I think he got moved around a bit as well. I think even last season he played as defensive midfielder for quite a while. So he did, but since the restart this season, he's been absolutely fantastic. One of our better players, no doubt about it, and. You can see, even as Magoo says, on and off the pitch, he seems to be a top lad altogether. And you know, he's, he's going to be a big loss, and one, one a player that's going to be very hard to replace. Yeah, he 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 has all the attributes of that kind of league of Ireland centre half. He's also he's the height, which is hugely important. He's physically strong. Uh, he he's showed his agility. Was against balls. He cleared the ball off the line with a kind of bicycle kick. He he really does get stuck in and. Um, you know they're not um, they're not dropping off trees that kind of player. Uh, you know we might have we might have um, we might have John tied down, but that other who, who's going to play beside John is uh, there's a question mark there. Yeah. I mean you know Buckley might be around next season, maybe he will, and you hope he will be. I hope he'll be here as well, but there's a question mark there, and you'd like to have a solid centre half pairing that would be the base of your team with your goalkeeper signed contract in place. Um, so that 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 second centre half is a hugely important position, and and elite, but but also just we need leaders as well. Like we need, you know, I'd love us when we're signing fellas to be to be looking at their their overall character and and their kind of like you can tell by Kyle that I know many managers he's played under now was a two or three or four, but he he he's been captain for them all, hasn't he? Uh, Robertson made him captain in 2016, didn't he? Yeah. And he was captain of the Norwich uh, youth side as well, so he was. And then I think he ca- I think he was captain of that side. He played for an Australia as well, if I'm not mistaken. So, to all points to his character, like that's you know that's and that's the kind of fellas we need around the place. Or America, sorry, it wasn't Australia. Was Orlando, America. yeah. And um, you know, so a bit, so a bit, huge miss, huge miss all over the on off the pitch. I think that's something as well, Miguel, that you were pointing to there is. You know, in the close season when we are signing up players and talking to free agents or whatever it may be, is you know, is looking for a couple of leaders to bring into the club. You know, I, I'd even be, and you might completely disagree with me, but a player I'd be looking at is Conor McCormick. Tim McCormick's a good leader. He's been there, done it all. But oh no, I hate him. Ooh. <laughs> I, I, I've given that man so much abuse in the showgrounds. <laughs> It's not funny, but I don't think you could 
it's just a completely hearsay. I'm only saying it here now. Like there's no, there's nothing to say we're even going to talk to him. But you know, someone like that who's who's done it all in the league now. Yeah. And there's no two ways about it. You can't deny he's a very very good footballer, and he's but he's a captain, and it's just yeah. something we do. Oh, look, I I I hear the Gillian Brennan here too as well, but I would love to see him here. Yeah. 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 Um, I think I think like I think. Um, Conor McCormick, he's also, he, you tend to think that he's been around that long, you think he's probably older than he is. He's only 30, so he's, he's still has football left in him. Um, but I think it's an interesting call, Donner, and you've you got to be, like, I, I do believe... A bit of nastiness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, yeah, I don't know, I don't know if Conor McCormick is that kind of player. What do you think? Oh, he is. I remember screaming at him in the Cup semi-final against Shams when he tried to stamp on Danny Ventra at the oh, okay. line. <laughs> Yeah, he so so he, yeah, he could be an option, but it's it's um it's going to be hard to find that kind of caliber that that type of that type of player. So he could be he could be a good shout. But yeah, I always I always thought he was coming towards the end of his career. But he is only thirty; he's got loads left in him. Um, another player I'd love to see us get is um, and I think we might have been in around him um, a couple of seasons ago is um, John Mountney from from Dundalk. I think. His position in Dundalk was up in the air, but I think he's back playing fairly regularly now again at this stage with them. Um, but the chat with Mountley was that he's he's um he's from Mayo. He's yeah. from up the road. He's where is he from? Um, he's Castle Barrow. I don't even know if he's that far, is he? Um, but anyway, yeah, he's not too far. That was the the whole chat of him a couple of years ago. You see that he was coming home. So, but as you say, he's got more regular. I presume now that he's on a big, he's probably had a big contract with Dundalk too. So. He um he he's from um Kilmarnock I think um, yeah anyway but yeah but um you know we have we have Buckley we have Cawley aside from that we don't have we don't have anybody else who's kind of got that kind of league winning quality or got that experience um he um Kyle Callum McFadden is going to I think it's been reported that he's going to go to Kings Lynn um who play out of the um. The English, uh, English, what's it called? English National League One, but they're a pretty progressive club. They've um, and they've had a couple of recent promotions, so they're you know they're one of these kind of uh, amateur teams that are on the way up. Like, they've you know, you been taken across. over, haven't they? Have they money I, pumped into them? I think, right. I think they've been. I think they've had a takeover, and there's there's some fellow pumping a bit of money into them. So they're, as you say, they're progressive. They're they're on yeah. the move. They're going up. They're going up the way anyway. So he's joining a progressive club, like so. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if you seen Kyle end up in League Two. I think if he's there and around the conference and that, and with the way his development was going this season as well, and the commitment he shows in that kind of style of football, he he'd make it up to League Two again. So he would in England. What age is he? Kyle's only easy. He has to be only in his early twenties, is he? Mid twenties. Twenty-four. Twenty-four, I think. Twenty-four. Twenty-five. Yeah. Something. I was going to say 24, 25, yeah. So he's, I mean, he is a decade of football left him as well. And he could be the kind of fella that, um, you know, when he came to us first, he was a bit kind of, uh, a bit raw, a bit wild. But as the years go on him, like, you know, he might just settle into things and that experience will stand him, particularly in the centre of defence. Um, the other thing we should mention as well, I'll just give uh, the club a bit of a push before we forget, is the annual draw. Um, you can get tickets on the club website, uh, srfcdirect.com or .ie. I can't remember now, but... Um, you can buy them directly from the website. They're ten each. You can buy a book for hundred quid, and uh, you can get them off um, me. I'll send you a ticket, or any of the committee I'll, I'll, I'll sell you one. Uh, I have tickets. tickets for sale as well. Don't <laughs> <be>. <laughs> and if you see uh, Donner floating around the place, he'll sell you a ticket. Um, but yeah, so as uh, Jerry O'Connor said last week in the pod, it is uh, challenging times. Where they used to go door to door. It's not as easy with um, COVID. So we need everybody to dig deep and um, buy a couple of tickets. And uh, you can buy tickets. Um, you can make payments through Revolut. And as I said, you can, you can get them online as well. So um, if you've got a spare tenor, buy a ticket. Um, where else do we want to go, lads? Um, where, what, Sean, do you want to do 10 minutes um, congratulating Shamrock Rovers on their um, their incredible league win? I will, Conrad. I'd love to start just by congratulating them on the title that never was. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you can't win half a title. Yeah. It's only a handful of games. And then to even be mentioning being invincible is an absolute joke altogether. Nobody cares they won the league. No one will ever care. It's an asterisk beside it. And it's 
I'm absolutely delighted for them. <laughs> hey, Magoo, you said you didn't even know they won the league. No, no, it was. It came up on Twitter. It took me a couple of hours to realise after the game was over. The we were um, the Harps and Bowls game. Um, yeah. It was a couple of hours. It was a couple of hours later before I realised that that meant the Shans won the league, which I thought was perfect because it's just a damn squib. It's gone totally under the radar. Yeah, it, it did go under the radar. Yeah, it was. Um... I think I think it's a it's a beautiful thing that Dundalk playing a second string Arsenal side is getting more attention than <laughs> the league. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dundalk, has stole, Dundalk has stole all their thunder this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so um, it was Ryan Connolly who scored that third goal for um, these. Good man, Ryan. Yeah. For his former employers, a few favours, that's all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to keep you updated on the game that you already know about. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, there's five minutes left in it. Uh, that's where all my attention is. And Stephen Foley got the first goal for Harps, another um, former Rovers man, nearly nearly had a second spell with us. Whatever happened there, I'm not sure. Okay, so is that, are, are we done? Is that it? Us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll be back next week where hopefully we'll be previewing uh, the last league game of the season and hopefully we'll know more about um, our cup quarterfinal uh, with the Derry or maybe we'll be looking at our we'll get a bye there we'll be looking at our cup semi-final but, um, probably not against um, Shells are at loan against who? Shells are at loan yeah I mean at it's all, it's all it could all align very nicely for us um, okay listen um, we'll wrap things up um, just to remind you if you want to contact the pod you can get us an email podcast at b-o-r-s-t dot i-e um, thanks to our sponsors Milligram Coffee and Wine Street um, and I think that's a wrap for this week. Good luck, Magoo. See you, Connor. See you, Sean. Cheers, Connor. See you, Donner. Thank you, Magoo.